0: What's up, again, folks? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we need to go through my rankings, take a quick peek at the conference championships as we are in conference championship week, and talk about some real head coaching news as we are in the season of turnover. But first, let's start with my Top 25, take a look at how it measures up next to the Associated Press Top 25. Now, I moved Michigan to number two. I felt like that that was the least that I could do after watching them absolutely throttle Ohio State 45-23 to in the shoe. It is the first time that Michigan has won back-to-back games against Ohio State since the last century and, frankly, handed them their worst loss in Columbus in this rivalry since nineteen. 76. It was an outstanding performance, not just by Jim Harbaugh and his offensive staff, who found a way to go after Jim Knowles' defense, particularly when they found them in man coverage, but also for Donovan Edwards, who I really did expect to be good, but nobody expected him to be this good. And without Blake Corum being in the backfield, for you to be able to go to the two sophomores, the underclassmen at quarterback and running back, and absolutely run the ball whenever you want it down the throats of a defense that. Up until Saturday, was really good. Speaks volumes about what Michigan is capable of, I think, in the college football playoff setting. Now, I'll also add in here, Michigan is going to play against a plucky Purdue team in the Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis. I expect that one to be a little bit more entertaining than last year's Big Ten Championship, frankly, because Purdue has a pulse on offense. And not just a pulse. They've got a Bulletnikoff Award finalist in Charlie Jones. They got an outstanding quarterback and outstanding story in Aiden O'Connell. And all good things for Boilermaker fans who are going to make their first appearance in the Big Ten championship game ever. Now, I also actually toyed with the idea of moving Michigan to number one, but that felt like it's too soon and too harsh on Georgia, who has beaten everybody that they've played. I haven't liked how they played against everybody. Frankly, I didn't like that Michigan won by just seven against Maryland, but cut. Ohio State in half at the shoe, but maybe Michigan, like Georgia, gets up for the games that we know that we want to see them get up for. I moved Ohio State to number five because when you really cut this out, their one loss is against a top three team, a number two team in the country. And, yeah, it was at home. It was to the team that they had built their entire programs year-around beating, like they do every year, and they couldn't get it done. But at 11-1, and one, that's pretty damn stout. And you look at the wins that they have against Penn State, a win that Michigan has. Iowa, who was there at the end but needed to beat Nebraska to get into the Big Ten Championship at the end, couldn't get that done. I didn't think that it was too harsh to move them to five. And, you know, the Associated Press agrees with me here. Perhaps the other thing to take a look at here is what USC and Utah are going to give us in the Pac-12 Championship game on Friday. USC goes to number four for me. They go to number four for the Associated Press poll. It's pretty easy to make those decisions after what we saw, not just in Ohio State, Michigan, but the way that USC was able to really do whatever they wanted offensively, right? Now, one of the things I found was interesting about how USC was able to move the ball is, yeah, we were looking at Caleb Williams heroics. you know, I thought of Kyler Murray, other people thought of Johnny Manziel, I'm still not on the Patrick Mahomes bit just yet because Patrick Mahomes is the best football player in the world, and I'm not ready to give a dude that hasn't won the Heisman Trophy yet that sort of moniker, but I do want to talk about how he's been able to turn his back on defenses, a la Johnny Manziel, a la Kyler Murray and make it happen on second and long on third and long. And he is living his best life, having a great time doing it, smiling all the way, hitting the Heisman pose at halftime. And there was nothing that Notre Dame could do to stop him. And I feel that that is a great harbinger of things to come, particularly in a game where they get to play the one team this season that handed them a loss. And now that's going to be on a neutral site. You'll remember USC went to Rice Eccles lost that game to Utah. Utah got some help to get back to the Pac-12 championship and have an opportunity to defend their Pac-12 championship. This is going to be outstanding. This is what I wanted for the Pac-12. And frankly, another opportunity for Caleb Williams to, if he isn't already in front, take the front. And if he is in front, stretch his lead to winning the Heisman Trophy. Very excited about that. Big 12 championship is going to feature undefeated Texas Christian who I ranked at number three, and I think, yes, the Associated Press ranked at number three against Kansas State. Kansas State has beaten the folks that I thought they should. It turns out the team they lost to, Tulane, the 10-win team, and they're in position to win the American championship on a home field, I might add, which I think it's outstanding, even as their coach is going through it, taking some interviews, is what we're hearing. He was up for the job at Georgia Tech. We'll see what that happens there, but Kansas State, has found a quarterback in Will Howard that they like, right? Deuce Vaughn is still there. They can move the football on you. They can play defense. I'm excited to see what Texas Christian can mount, knowing that Kansas State is going to try to knock them out of the playoff. But full credit to Texas Christian who took care of business against the Iowa State, a game that I thought was going to give them something like a headache. No, they said, R.J., we're going to drop 62 on their head and push on to Dallas. Outstanding for Sonny Dykes and, frankly, uh, a first family of Texas football when you know about Spike Dykes and – coaching at high school there and then coaching Texas Tech for so long and what Sonny has gone through. Matter of fact, went to Cal, finds out he's not a fit, comes back to Southern Methodist as quick as he can, moves 40 miles down the road to Fort Worth, takes over at a program that Gary Patterson built and is pushing it to where they want to be, right? Very excited to see what the Big 12 championship is going to offer up and if TCU can get to 13-0 and and be what I think would be the first team to punch their ticket into the college football playoff outside of Georgia. I think Georgia – could lose in the SEC championship game and still make the college football playoff. But their opponent, LSU, I don't even know that they get into this thing with a conference championship. Now, taking a look at the Associated Press poll, they have them ranked at number 11. I was a bit harsh on them or harsher on them. I ranked them at number 16. But frankly, I didn't understand them being ranked at number five to begin with. I was making jokes about it on the tweets. I was making jokes about it here on the show. But getting exposed the way that they did by a Texas A&M team that didn't seem like it had much to play for is inexcusable. You cannot take that loss if you are expecting to play in the college football playoff. And frankly, it almost felt like they were drinking the same Kool-Aid that the college football playoff selection committee was drinking before going into this week. And I was looking at this going, maybe Texas A&M or maybe even South Carolina, who we also saw could help us out here, give us a couple upsets and clear up this playoff picture permanently. And that's what it feels like it's going to be now LSU. Beats Georgia, maybe we give that some thought. Some other things got to happen, but I just don't see it happening. It would be really interesting to have a discussion with the selection committee and, frankly, Gary Bard, uh, Gary Bart- he's last year, Boo Corrigan, about just what they would do if LSU was able to win that. But let's not put the cart before the horse there. LSU's got to go and win an SEC championship before we can even discuss them getting into the college football playoff. All right, I'm going to get off the rankings now and move into the news, which is moving hour-by-hour Day by day, we've seen coaching hires all over the map here in this final week uh, ending of regular season of football. And at the top of the list for us is Wisconsin hiring Luke Fickle away from Cincinnati. And I think that's an outstanding fit. It is a man who played in the Big Ten, coached in the Big Ten, has ties to Ohio State, understands what the brand does and understands what Wisconsin was capable of when Wisconsin was humming right along. He also has a defensive background. That's what they want to do. They want to be able to run the ball and play defense. I think he can recruit the area well. I'm really going to see if he can hold on to Braylon Allen. That would be job number one for any guy that not named Jim Leonard coming into that job. And I'm just going to say, I feel bad for Jim Leonard on this. It felt like it was his to lose, and he lost it, right? We'll see what happens. Maybe they just flip flop. Maybe Jim Leonard becomes the head coach at Cincinnati and Luke Fickle gets things going in the way that he wants. At Wisconsin, but it's a home run higher, and it mostly makes the Big Ten an even more stacked conference. Because that's a great way for me to lead into yeah, we got to talk about Matt Rule taking the job at Nebraska, something we haven't been able to do on this show. I did not believe Matt Rule would get off of his couch where he makes $40 million for sitting there and wearing out the cushions to go coach football, let alone at Nebraska. And that's not a dig at Nebraska because You have the assets there to be great. We just haven't had a coach in some time be able to put those assets together and make you great. It is to say it is a, it's a job. It's hard damn work trying to make a bad football program into a good football program. But if there is a change agent in college football, it is Matt Rule. What he did at Temple cannot be overlooked. What he did at Baylor made his name. He took that program from not just being bad at football, but his reputation was bad in the sport and bad in sports, and flip that into the kind of place that people want to go to school, people want to send their kids to school, and then took this job at Carolina, didn't go the way that he wanted to go, but he's going to make $40 million to not coach football for two years, only to find out a couple months later, yeah, he's going to be coaching football again and in the Big Ten. I was going down the list, man. It's going to be stacked here by 2024. Think about it. You're going to have, ostensibly, Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh, at the top of the list for uh, for Michigan and Ohio State. But then if you want to just talk about adding, Lincoln-Riley-USC. USC is one win away from playing in the college football playoff. UCLA won nine games this year, and Chip Kelly doesn't seem like he wants to go anywhere. I go up and down this, this conference, and I'm going, yeah, that coach can coach, that coach can coach. All these dudes have what it takes to win the Big Ten championship, and that's really what excites me about a 16-team Big Ten conference everybody feels like they're in play, right? Now, you got to have to do some work at places like Rutgers or or even Maryland, but everybody is in play. Nobody is a pushover anymore. And frankly, it's no longer Ohio State's conference. We learned that on Saturday. The defending Big Ten champions went into the shoe and handed the Buckeyes a terrible L, and that we haven't seen in years. I think the parity... this conference is returning in some way, and when, if, when, how, they ever get rid of divisions, then it's going to be a party, because then we're going to see back-to-back. We're going to see Ohio State Michigan. We're going to see Penn State and maybe Michigan State. We're going to see Minnesota have an opportunity to climb up there. I mean, I'm very excited about what this league is going to be in the future, and just what the coaching prowess is going to be like, and let's see how they recruit, right? Because early in the year, we had talked about this, not so much during the season, but we're down to a power two now, folks. It's the SEC and the Big Ten. Two 16 team leagues with outstanding coaching pedigrees, with outstanding recruiting footprints, one above the Mason Dixon line, one below the Mason Dixon line. Read into that what you will because I'm gonna and I'm gonna have a great time watching these two conferences go at each other's neck each and every year. Uh on the way out quickly, Arizona State hired Oregon offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham to be their next head coach. Uh great news for him. He's an Arizona uh, Arizona State alumnus. 32 years old, offensive coordinator at Oregon for a year. Ends up head coach at Arizona State. Dan Lanning, by the way, doesn't turn 37 until April. And he's already got a coaching tree, which is kind of phenomenal. And then you take a look at how guys have been developed. Thinking about Dan Lanning being at Georgia and or Alabama and Kenny Dillingham being very close with Dan Lanning. You could see how everything seems to be running back through Tuscaloosa and or Athens. Now, as we talk about a change into the garden, maybe – the way that Michigan is taking over the Big Ten is the way that we'll be talking about Georgia and the SEC here. They win another national championship because it feels like, yeah, they're going to give Alabama everything they want for the rest of Nick Saban's tenure. And we'll see how long that lasts, but we know that the man wants to coach until he's 150. David Shaw resigned uh, from his post at Stanford following the end of their season. He just said it was time. He felt that he could no longer do any good or as much good as he had in the past. And I full credit to him for looking around and going, am I the best person to lead the Cardinal into 2023 and really having a great discussion with himself and, and laying it out saying, I'm not really interested in coaching football in the near future, but I know that I'm not the person to coach Stanford right now. And now for me, that's, that's going to be uh, taking some getting used to because, David Shaw's been at Stanford for a long time. Uh, I I think I came up in college and he was just taking that job because he was offensive coordinator with Jim Harbaugh before Jim Harbaugh, uh, I think, left Stanford to go to 49ers. But it's it's been some time since the director of football at Stanford was somebody not named David Shaw. And really, we have gone from making fun of that name in that role to only seeing him in it. And I think that that's really, really cool. And I wish David Shaw... The best. I'm also interested to see what that coaching hiring search looks like because Stanford's in it, Colorado's in it, USF's in it, Auburn's still in it. We got some moving and shaking that we got to work out here in the next couple of weeks. And as we can, we'll talk about it here on the number one college football show. On the way out, I'm off the plane, I'm headed home, trying to get here to put this show in front of you. And I had a bunch of text messages, frantic text messages, uh, panic text messages from kids, uh, players. They're not kids anymore. Players, men that I've come to know since they were in high school and their parents, uh, folks that I don't talk to necessarily for news, but I talk to to understand what it is they're up against, what the sport is like for them, and to try to be of service when I can. And I want to impart to you, as we're talking about head coaches and we're talking about salaries and we're talking about guarantees and who got fired, who didn't. That sucks, right? because you're not just changing a head coach, you're changing an entire organization, an entire program. You also have players that don't know what is going to happen next, who also have to finish classes, who also have to take finals, who have to find a way to feel good about their future as they're trying to push into whatever it is that college football is going to bring is we're trying to make sure the transfer portal is equitable, right? While also saying, Hey, look, Kids, give us a chance here. We're going to figure it out for you. And sometimes they get it. Sometimes they don't. What I'm saying is love them. And that's what I'm trying to do as we go through this process that is kind of exciting because we're talking about new faces in new places. But there are 85 scholarship players and an untold number of walk-ons that are hanging on every word and every tweet too. And I just wanted to put that in front of you because sometimes we just miss it. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak, our senior producer, Catherine Donnelly, our director, Kyle Holly, our lead of screening, Rachel Cohn, our social media maven, on Duncan. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all live on Tuesday night for the college football playoff selection committee rankings reveal. Deuces.